Man, I'd, I'd pay 19 bucks to eat crickets. <laughs> Actually, what's so neat about that, uh, the, the fellow who was demonstrating is Darth Lee. Darth was a student of ours years ago when we used to be on faculty and staff at North Central University. And so to me, it's always so thrilling to see somebody I had the privilege of investing in out serving back in, in a sense, in his own home country. So you need to come do those crickets. It's worth 19 bucks. <laughs> but, but we're here to talk about Ethiopia. And I'm just, thank you so much for doing the bulletin. That's the flag of Ethiopia on the front cover. So you need to take that home, stick it up someplace where you'll, you'll continually see it, and remember to pray for Ethiopia. But we want to say thank you so much for the privilege of being here today and for your prayers and support for our work. We've now been serving in Africa for 20 years, and this church has stood with us for many years, many prayers, many dollars, and we say thank you. We want to give you an overview of our ministry, and then I want to share a little bit from the Word. But we have a presentation of PowerPoint, and we'll narrate through that. So if you want to fix your eyes on the screen, uh, here we go. In Demona Derechu, which means good morning in Amharic, from Doug and Kareen, serving in Ethiopia. Look uh, uh, in the map on the, on the left. You can see Ethiopia is on the eastern side of Africa, just north of the equator. In that shape, we call it the Horn of Africa. So on our west is Sudan, on the east is Somalia, and then you have Djibouti and Eritrea in the north. Ethiopia is about twice the size of Texas. Has 99 million people, second largest in Africa, 88 different languages, 31 unreached people groups, so great diversity there. And you can see the country in the map. When I think of Ethiopia, I think of diversity. You have remote groups like you see in the upper left, a, a plate that's put into a woman's lip and extended over time. They think that makes her be beautiful. We live in a massive city of Addis Ababa, six to seven million people and all the characteristics of that. But then you go out of the city and you can come into little small villages where the only thing moving there are camels and donkeys. Variety is the name. Did you know that Ethiopia claims to be the birthplace of coffee? Hallelujah. So all you coffee <laughs> lovers out there, and actually they will roast the beans in their homes. So when we are walking down the streets, we can smell the coffee. And look at this food. Isn't that much better than crickets? Yes, yes, yeah! yes. <laughs> but we love it. It's injera bawat. It has a lot of different sauces you eat with your hands, and it's very nutritious. And again, Ethiopia claims to ha Ethiopia has many great long distance and short distance runners. About 50% of Ethiopia are part of what we call the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. So their confidence is in the mediation of a priest. They pray to angels and to saints. They go on holy pilgrimages. Uh, this is one of the key sites up in the north called Lalibela. And if you can see the face of the mountain, this church is hand-hewn down about 40 feet, and they're still using it for worship. 40% of Ethiopia follow the teachings of the prophet Muhammad. Uh, and I remember talking to this fellow on the bottom right. He's a key Muslim sheikh or teacher. And I said, you spent your whole life studying the Quran. Do you know when you die, you'll go to heaven? And he said, oh, my brother, no one can know that. When we try to describe our overall ministry, I think these five characteristics would, would be that. We are wanting to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples, seek the empowerment of the Spirit, engage lostness, those many people who don't have the gospel, build strong local indigenous churches, and then reach out with compassion. 
Don't forget that Jesus on the way to the cross invested a huge amount of his time just in 12, knowing that he would go to the cross, do what he needed to do for sin, and then they would continue the work. Well, that's what God's given us the privilege of doing in in Ethiopia. We've been asked by our national church to oversee all the training ministries in Ethiopia founded in our Bible school, Addis Ababa Bible College. So the mission of the school and ourselves is train and equip Pentecostal servant leaders to redeem and transform Ethiopia, the Horn, and the continent. And our Bible college hosts about 500 students from the diploma, BA, and master's. And we love making discipleships. You can see in the classroom, in chapel, there are our students gathered for chapel. Look at the diversity of students. Peter on the right is by the Sudan border from Gambela. Doug loves teaching and investing in discipleship through teaching. But for me, I love investing in women. Look at them in all of their national attire. They dress in white. And here they are dressing together. Each of them speaks in chapel. Yeah, so when they speak in chapel, then they'll all dress up in honor of their fellow student. We also have a diploma program. We're really excited about this, and we're translating into four major languages so we can try to blanket the country. Uh, It's a little bit lower level. The stars, and there are nine of those, are our current locations. And even just now, we're opening a new center up in Djibouti in a country of a million Somalis. When we go back, we want to start nine more of these diploma centers. In our master's program, we have some great people. Uh, Dr. Leonard Maboko is, is an outstanding example. He already has a Ph.D. in health science doing HIV research. But he said, I want to open up an orphanage, and I don't have the theological background for that. So he came. Another one of our areas of ministry is helping to coordinate annual pastors' conferences. So we bring all of our pastors together and have guest speakers come from the States and from Africa. Another one of our duties at this very moment, too, is the construction of a new Bible school, which you see in the upper right. It's ongoing right in the heart of the city. We're engaged in reaching out, in lostness, working with wonderful people like our pastor, Pastor Biniam, uh, right in the heart of Addis Ababa and beyond. And to me, this is really strategic. We believe God is going to use people from Ethiopia to reach our entire region, going north to Eritrea, to Somalia, and over into Sudan. And we're seeing that happen. These are just a couple examples of some of our grads, Ashanafi and Yemeru, that God has burdened and they've graduated and they're reaching out to the Orthodox and to Muslims. I mentioned going into Djibouti. You can see the green arrow going to Djibouti and then to Somalia. Uh, And I'll tell you a story when I preach of a, a Somali man that I met there just a few months ago that has come to the Lord and we believe there's opportunity to impact that nation. We want to go the other direction. Lake Tana is in northern Ethiopia. It flows to Khartoum as the Blue Nile and then up to the Mediterranean. We want to take the gospel into Sudan. And we're encouraging and working with the National Church. This is Pastor Joshua, who is over the compassion arm of the Ethiopia Assemblies of God. So with all of these various ministries, the goal, plant strong local churches with great spiritual leaders supported by their own congregations reaching their own people. And so that's what you're doing as you invest in us. So do continue to pray for a redeemed and transformed Ethiopia. And we already thank you that you're investing in Ethiopia. But pray for not only converts, Mm -hmm. but for a harvest of disciples. 
these are our two daughters, and they're Julia and Ruthie. Our daughter Ruthie just got married on June 27th, so now we have a new son-in-law, Devin. But both of our daughters are working at what's called Africa's Hope, which assists all the training ministries of the Assemblies of God on the Africa continent. Now you can stay in touch with us if you're a Facebooker, uh, Lowenberg's Ethiopia, and we'd love to just continue to communicate with you. But we ask you to pray. And one way you can be reminded, not only with your bulletin, but on the way out, we have prayer cards like this, and you're very welcome to take those. So do that, please. And so in the Amharic language, we say, Bet Tom Amaseganalo, which means thank you very much. But, you know, this, um, we are doing just a six-month um, deputation. So we came for our daughter's wedding, and we're there three weeks ahead of time but then from July through December. And God was so faithful to emphasize to us the importance of prayer. And I, I just marked the 19th of July as being a kind of milestone where we went to two churches of former North Central University students. Again, God was so faithful. We were there for 16 years, and then God took us over to Africa to do what he you know, had taught us here at North Central. So we went to a church in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and at the end, as we were praying, a lady came up to me and said, I want you to know that I have been praying for you and your daughters every single day. Does God call intercessors for missionaries? He does. And if God would call any of you, we thank you for that. And then that evening, we went to a little town in, in, in Minnesota, Morris, Minnesota. And sometimes it's hard to get Sunday night services. And the pastor, um, they don't usually have Sunday night services. But we, he, he invited us for that time. And there were only about 20 to 25 people that ended up showing up. But at the time, end of the service, they gathered for prayer. And he said, as I was praying about whether to have you come, the Lord spoke to me and said, have Doug and Prune come. And he said, I want, he gave a prophetic word that said, just as Eth there's a divine destiny for Ethiopia, I have placed Doug and Prune in a divine appointment at this time. Not that it's about us, but that those we are training, he is going to use in mighty ways, as Doug mentioned, going into Sudan, Djibouti, into Somalia, Eritrea. Those are our prayers. So would you pray that God gives us wisdom, led by the Holy Spirit, but that those that he is raising up as disciples that he is going to use them. And I just thank you, as this church, we have felt so warmly welcomed. And I can tell you are a missions church. And may God just continue to stir you. You know, some of us go. Some of you will give. Some of you will pray. Maybe God will raise up someone here that God will even use in missions. Mm -hmm. But would you just be obedient to do what God asks you to do? And through prayer and through all of us being involved, we just believe, right, that Jesus is going to reach this world for him. So thank you again. And thank you, Pastor Todd 
for just your heart for missions and the whole church. So I'm going to say Ganello. Take your Bibles, would you please, and turn to John chapter 3, probably the most familiar verse in all of the Bible. I want to read that and a few more verses thereafter from the NIV. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, through Jesus. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for their deeds, that their deeds would be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. I remember uh, as a young dad and our little girls, sometimes they would be in misery crying out, and you, all you dads, you can relate to this, I hope. I hope I'm not the only one. You know, and as a dad, you want to come and pick up your kid and love him, and what do they say? I want mommy! And they go, Wow. You know, you're, you're coming, you're wanting to demonstrate love and help and help them deal with whatever that, that trauma is. No, I want mommy. You know, so you just kind of say, okay. You know, that's not only a kid thing. Sometimes adults do that. Sometimes we try to go up and embrace, love, accept, comfort, strengthen, encourage people in different ways. But they're, they may not do the cry, I want mommy, but it's like, you know, thank you very much. And there's almost like there's a wall there. Love is being extended, but it's not being received. In the moments that we have today, I want to talk about the question, have you embraced the love of God? The love of God is there. Have you embraced it? I feel like the worship this morning really uh, ties together so well with this, this message that God put on my heart a number of days ago about the infiniteness of God and yet the intimacy of God. I even think of it in terms of this, this moment visit of the Pope to the United States, and I'll talk about that. This verse, God so loved the world, that's a pretty amazing verse. When you think of the God of all creation, the one who spoke the world into existence, so much more infinite than what we can ever see, and with our greatest scientific exploration, we'll never even get to the extent of the creation, and he is beyond that. And then you go down to the micro level, and you can get down to the electrons, protons, and we don't even, don't even know what's beyond that. He is there in the mega, in the macro, in the micro level. This great God who created our world, created people to demonstrate his love, to take care of them in this creation and for all eternity. God so loved. The world is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's the word cosmos. And in John's writings in the Gospels, the word cosmos is not a happy word. It refers to a created world in rebellion against the creator. Now, that's real interesting, isn't it? 
God so loved this rebellious world. The God who created this world to demonstrate his love and to have people worship him, he continues to love a world that's in rebellion. God so loved a rebellious world that he had to do something in order to begin to take away the division and bring the world back into him. He gave. He didn't just kind of share a little bit. And again, these are ideas and concepts and truths and theological understandings that far exceed what we can ever grasp. That this infinite God, the Son who is eternally existent in the very beginning, became a little crying baby and grew up to full adulthood. And eventually was willing not only to give up heaven and come to earth, but to give up his life for people who ripped out his beard, spit in his face, jabbed him in the side, nailed him to the cross, and buried him, rejoicing that they had removed this blight. God so loved the world that he gave. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Look, at, you know, look in the mirror. He loved me. Look at our world. Look at our country. He loved it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The other part of that verse says, whoever believes in him. Now, we have a pope visiting, and I know people are really excited, and I don't mean to... Uh, say something critical if you're in that that group but God didn't so love the world that he gave a pope God did not so love the world that he gave a church God did not so love the world that he expects you to be really good and righteous God loved this world and its rebellion and sin and fallenness and to do that he gave his son that that we would believe in him him not the church not a pope Not a priest, not a pastor, not a saint, not an angel, but that we would believe in him. Crean was talking to an Ethiopian man a few days before we came home. And and as she was sharing with him about an electronic problem with her telephone, uh, he said, well, what are you? And she said, well, we're here. We're missionaries. And he said, oh, yeah, that's the problem with you. You're a Protestant. You're a Pentecostal. You guys love Jesus. He was Orthodox. We love Mary. God so loved the world that he gave his mama. Hello? God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave his son. The only one who was pure and sinless. The only one who could bear our sin and not his own, but bear our sin in his own sinless body Jesus, he came and he bore it. He took that sin into the grave. I love what Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. He says, but death could not hold him. He bore our sin, he died, but death couldn't keep their hands on one who was sinless. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. He declares, I'm alive forevermore. And then he appeals to this rebellious world with loving arms saying, will you let me embrace you and will you embrace me? He so loved the world that he gave that if we believe, believe is a very important truth in scripture. 
Belief doesn't mean we just simply say, yeah, I believe Jesus came, he existed, he's a good guy, he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, he's the third person in the Trinity. Belief has to do with an encounter, with an embrace, with the saying, I want you to come into my life, be my Lord, be my God, change me. You know what? To embrace means I may already have something in my hand. I'm going to have to put it down in order to embrace. Some of you in your hand, you are embracing your own righteousness, your own spiritual confidence, maybe even spiritual arrogance. Some of you, you look at your hands and maybe you want to embrace, but they're so filthy, so dirty because of your life. You say, oh, I can't do that. But whoever will embrace, it doesn't matter who you are, what you have, good or bad, if you lay it down and embrace this Savior, he will transform you. And it says you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. We live in a very religious country, Ethiopia, with the Ethiopian Orthodox and with the Muslims, people who think they're religious. They have some kind of spiritual encounter, but so few have ever even heard about Jesus and embraced what he has done. It's Mary, it's angels, it's the Quran, it's holy pilgrimages and trying to make themselves righteous, but they never know. Whoever believes in me can know he has, she has eternal life. Shifarel is one of our dearest friends. He comes from a very Muslim background. In fact, his family claim to be descendants of the family of the prophet Muhammad. And when Muhammad first began to have his revelations back in 610 A.D., his family believed, but they encountered persecution, so they fled across the Red Sea, were given safe haven in Ethiopia, and it's out of that family Shifaral was born. During a radical communist regime a number of years ago, he, he was one of the people that was sort of pinpointed because of his status and his, his own importance in the society to either go to prison or get shot or be conscripted. And so he said, I'm out of here. And he and his young wife decided to try to flee south, cross the Kenyan border, and go to a refugee camp. They made their way down to a city in the southern part of the country. We're living in a little cheap apartment, trying to keep a low profile, waiting for the day they could get into Kenya. And as they, they were there, their food supplies ran out, and all they had left to their name was one box of macaroni. Got any macaroni lovers? Well, finally, that's all they had, and so Shifarau said to his wife, you got you to cook the macaroni. We'll just have to trust Allah to keep us alive. So she started cooking the macaroni. And while she was doing that, there's a knock on the door. And Shifarel was sort of worried. Is it the police who finally have caught up with me? Or is it a friend? Either way, bad news. If it's the police, he goes to jail. If it's a friend, they share their last box of macaroni. Well, the knocking persisted. And finally, Shifarel opened the door, and thank God it was a friend. The friend came in. He didn't know the situation. And they pulled out a third bowl in good Mideastern hospitality. And when this, the spaghetti, the, the macaroni was finished, the wife served it up, one bowl for each of the three. They ate. Shifarel said, is there any more? She went back to the pot. She served them, and they ate. 
Is there any more? She went back to the pot and served them. They ate. They were stuffed. The friend got what he wanted. He left. Shifferel said, I ran back around. I crawled under the table. I was trying to figure out where was all this macaroni coming from? He accused his wife of doing some kind of magic. Said, no, I didn't do that. That night in a dream, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to Shifferel and said to him, I am the one who multiplied the macaroni. And if you will leave this darkness, if you will put your faith in me, I will not only take away your sin, but I will multiply your life and your influence, your impact on the lives of many. Well, the next morning he woke up. I mean, you know, think of it. All of his life he's been a Muslim. Jesus is a prophet. But, but this was beyond what he could comprehend. He couldn't go to the mosque, but he found a little Pentecostal church. He walked in and the pastor said, well, sure, that was Jesus. You need to repent. You need to give your life to Jesus. It's like here, God so loved the world. And he led Shifarel in a prayer of repentance. But his theology was still all messed up. He got a Bible, but it just didn't make sense. And one night again in prayer, the Lord came to him and said, Shifarel, I don't want you to go to Kenya. Stay here. This government will pass, and I'm going to prepare a Bible school for you in Addis Ababa. I want you to go there, be trained, and I will fulfill this vision to you. A number of years later, Karina and I just happened in God's destiny to be at a Bible school in Addis Ababa when this big guy with a big black beard came cruising in. He was a very gracious man. It was Shifarel. We had a number of missionary colleagues helping us in those days. Now it's only Karina and I. The rest are Ethiopians. But we had a dear missionary family from Arkansas. And so here is Shifarel. He comes into this class. I mean, he hardly knows English. And the teacher's talking about the Bible and getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, they got all kinds of extra syllables. God bless them. And he was so frustrated that he walked out of class and he said, this is a mistake, I'm leaving. But the Lord again in his patience and love came to him in another dream and said, I called you to that school. You don't sit in the back row, you sit in the front row and I will help you with that language. He came, he came back humbly. Four years later he graduated and the Lord Jesus has been fulfilling that promise. To this day, no exaggeration, Shifarel has led 30 thousand Muslims to faith in Jesus Christ in central Ethiopia. <laughs> Praise God. He so loved the world that he gave that whoever believes will not perish. I want you to notice the context of this passage. You go back in the beginning of chapter 3, I mean, this just doesn't come out of nowhere. Jesus is talking to a very religious person. This conversation takes place with one man named Nicodemus. He is a Pharisee. I mean, he's serious. He loves God. He worships. He prays. He fasts. He tithes. And he came at night... You know, wanted to keep inconspicuous, wouldn't want to be seen as a religious radical. You know, let's, you know, let's just kind of slip in and slip out. But you notice what he said. He had the highest regard for Jesus. We know you're from God. We know you do miracles. And I, when I read that, I, I think of Ethiopia and I think of the United States. I think of maybe some of you that are here and you say, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I fast a little bit. I pray. I don't fast on the day that the, the Green Bay's playing, but I do on other days. I don't, 
I, I, I honor Jesus. I believe he's from God. I believe he does miracles. But do you know what Jesus said to this good religious man? Nick, you must be born again. There's got to be a new start. And he goes on and he says in verse 5, you must be born of water, referring to a spiritual washing and cleansing. And then you must be born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God has to come within you. When we talk about embracing his love and the love of God, he comes and he says, I will take you. But when he takes us and he embraces us, he begins a cleaning purging process and then empowers us and fills us with his spirit this man was a great teacher but he just couldn't get it abby's another friend of ours abby just graduated from our bible school back in may he grew up as a religious ethiopian orthodox young man fasting praying going on pilgrimages in his early teenage years his father divorced his mother and his life just became completely chaotic. He began to turn to alcohol. I mean, as poor as he was, drinking homebrew, a young teenage alcoholic. He started adding drugs. He was involved in petty crime. And finally, when he was about 16, he said, my life is meaningless. I'm going to commit suicide. He told his best friend that the next day he was going to overdose on drugs with alcohol and finish it. And his friend, who was a born-again believer, he said, Abby, before you destroy your life, you need to come to my church. You need to give Jesus a chance. And Abby's response was, I've tried religion. I'm orthodox. I've done all this. I pray to Mary and angels and saints and the priests. And he said, yeah, but have you ever encountered Jesus? Have you invited him into your life? Abby didn't have many other choices, but he said, I'm going to give it a chance. He came to church. And that next day, and on that day, he heard the gospel for the very first time in his life. It wasn't about a pope. It wasn't about a pilgrimage, but it was about one who died for him and reached out to embrace him. And Abby came forward and encountered Jesus. And rather than dying, today Abby is married, has three beautiful children. Their honorary is all get out. And he pastors a church of over 2,000 people. God so loved the world. And I know I talk about that in Ethiopia but I'm, I'm looking at you and me. I'm part of this rebellious cosmos. But I'm here because one reached out to me, just like he's reaching out to you. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to be the little kid who says, no, I want mommy? You know, I've got other things in my hands. I can't accept that. Are you going to just lay it down and say, I will take him? Better is one day in his presence than many out there. And not only will you do that, but will you take this love through this city, through our community, to our nation, and around the world? If they believe, they will not perish. Lord Jesus, my heart is heavy for some here who are really good people, really religious but they have never surrendered their lives. They are not reliant on the one who came from heaven to redeem them, cleanse them, give them purpose and hope. May this be the day of embracing the love of God in Christ Jesus.
I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And as you leave today, you can, you can find one of the pastors. You can write on this card and give it out at the, the booth that I want to embrace the love of Jesus. And this church wants to help you encounter him. God bless you.